1: See
2: a person that says, "I hope so," well, I wish so. They're not born again. Nicodemus was not born again. Now he didn't get born again there; he got born again later. In fact, he was involved with the resurrection and the burial of Jesus. He finally came to salvation, a personal salvation in Jesus. So Peter is reminding those people while they're out there, you can have anticipation, confident expectation, because good things are going to happen in the future because i know peter says i'm writing to you, you guys have been born again
0: people have all kinds of ideas of what being a christian is like and what things in our life can change after receiving christ pastor mark teaching from first peter reminds us that one of the most significant changes is in our concept of hope we now have hope in eternal life We now know for sure that there are only two destinations after we die heaven and hell, and that we're absolutely sure that we're going to heaven. This helps us when we go through difficulties on this earth. Knowing that this plane of existence isn't all there is can bring us some comfort in the midst of our trials. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Peter chapter 1 with part 2 of his message. Every Christ follower has a living hope.
1: Lord, let us hear your lessons for
0: living. In love, God the Son,
2: Jesus died and shed his blood while we were still sinners. Without the shedding of blood, There was no remission of sin. So here we have the father involved. Here we have the son involved. But look what happens. Immediately at salvation, look what happens. In humility, after salvation, God, the Holy Spirit, came to live in us for a reason. So we could be, think, and minister like Jesus, setting us apart to be the body of Christ To do God's will. So when you see those three things, you see that becoming a Christian is involved with the whole trinity. All three of them were together and they all had a part. Now, when you accept Christ, those three things work together and you are. Well, we don't use this term a lot anymore, but actually it's a great term. Look at verse three. Praise be to the God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us, what's the next two words? New birth into a living hope. By the way, right by verse three, this is the key verse for the whole book of First Peter. So just write it in your Bible. This is the key verse in the whole book of First Peter. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Notice the word hope. The world uses the word hope different than we use the word hope. The word hope in the world is like, I'm wishing it would happen. I hope it happens. Let me give an example. I hope this new diet I'm on will help me lose weight. I'm hoping it will. I'm wishing it will. Here's another one for you guys. And I'll say this for me. I hope, I'm wishing that Miami might win one more game this whole year. You see how the word is? I'm wishing it'll happen. I hope it happens. That is not the biblical definition of hope. The biblical definition, I want you to write it. It's very different. Look at this. Hope equals confident expectation. What does confident expectation mean? It's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. I am going to lose weight. Ha, 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 ha. Okay. Biblically, that's different because God keeps the promise. You forget that. All right, here, let me move right around. Confident expectation to anticipate with pleasure. It's going to happen. Something's going to happen in the future. Look at Hope is always the future in mind. I hope it goes good on our vacation. I wish it will. No, spiritually, he's writing to people that are hurting. He says, I'm going to give you some things in the future. You have a hope for it. It's going to happen. I'll show you. I guarantee you it's going to happen. You need hope. That's why it's called a living hope. It's not wishing. It's an expectation. It is absolutely going to happen. Now, why can I say it's going to happen? Because this hope knows that God keeps all his promises. Peter's going to give his promises. And God never lies. And those hopes to us are absolutely assured. Titus 2.13 says this. While we wait for the blessed hope, which is the second coming of Jesus Christ, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, why do we call it living hope? Why not just hope with the great definition? Here's why ours is a living hope because Jesus rose from the dead and he is living right now in heaven. Remember one day Jesus said this in John 14 before long trying to tell his disciples he was going to leave and they didn't get it before long the world will not see me anymore but you will see me because I live you also will live. I have, as a Christian this morning, living hope. I'm going to see Jesus one day in heaven. Guaranteed. Now, why is it living? Because he's living. If he didn't rise from the dead, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, we'd have no hope. We'd be like everybody else in the world. But you have hope. It's a living hope, and it's based in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I will be in heaven one day. Because Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, power that raised him from the dead, is the same power that's going to raise us. Can I hear an amen? Amen. See, that gave suffering people hope. Not just hope. I wish it happens. I hope it happens. No, it's called living hope. It's going to happen. So that kind of spoke into their hearts. Look at the last part of that, verse 3 again. In his great mercy, he has given us what? New birth. Here's what I want you to write. Every Christ follower must be born again, a spiritual rebirth. Now, one day in the evening, a man named Nicodemus, he was a Jewish religious leader, brilliant in the scripture. And he found his way to Jesus and he started talking to Jesus, but Jesus didn't even answer what he was talking about. He was a very religious man. If you've ever talked to religious people, good people, good morals, and you say to them, are you going to go to heaven when you die? I hope so. Well, what kind of hope do you mean by that? Well, I hope I'm good enough to go to heaven. That's an open door for you and me. This was an open door for Jesus. He's thinking, I'm home free. I'm a Jewish religious leader. I love God. I'm home free. And notice what Jesus said. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God, heaven. No one can see the. How many is no one? Any exceptions? No exceptions. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he, say it with me, is born again. Now, God can't lie. So there you are. See, a person that says, I hope so. Well, I wish so. They're not born again. Nicodemus was not born again. Now, he didn't get born again there. He got born again later. In fact, he was involved with the resurrection and the burial of Jesus. He finally came to salvation, a personal salvation in Jesus. So Peter is reminding those people while they're out there, you can have anticipation, confident expectation, because good things are going to happen in the future. Because I know, Peter says, I'm writing to you, you guys have been born again. Now that's huge. Remember, we worship a living God who actually, the Holy Spirit lives in us. The world, now don't take this wrong. The world worships dead gods who cannot hear, speak, answer prayers, or deliver them from their sins. Understand this. In many parts of the world, the world really offers false gods. If you go, and I'm not making fun of other religions. It's the same in the Old Testament. A false god is a god that can't help you. And if I take this this morning as the statue of a God, can this God help me? But much of the world does what to this God? And they mean it. They pray, they cry, they light fires, they offer incense. They pray to this God, help me. My marriage isn't joy. My kid's born. He's got a problem. Would you heal it? God? God, would you heal? What kind of a God is this? It's a dead God. Now, what about the other Muslims? Muhammad, Muhammad is dead. He's not a living Muhammad. He's a dead Muhammad. The only God that's living is our God. And that's why, that's why it's a living hope. Now I want you to write this down. And it's not because we're better. It's because of God's grace. You need to write this down, and you'd have to find the time to use this in the right setting, but it's true. And I'm going to speak it to some of you here today. Christ followers have a living hope, but unbelievers have a dead hope. If you're here and you've never accepted Christ, you have no hope of going to heaven. You will not make it. You have to accept it. You must be born again. If you pass up the choice, it's over. It's a requirement, but you have to do it. And that's the key to salvation. God gave us Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He is our living hope. Without Christ living inside of you, and I'll give every one of you an opportunity to do that at the end, you have no hope. After you die, there is no hope for you to go to heaven, but that can be changed today. Along with that, look at verse 4. And into an inheritance. So he's going to talk about inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Inheritance is an interesting word. How many of you legally ever been involved with... When a relative or friend or somebody died, you had to go to the lawyer's office and he got the inheritance papers out and read them to me. How many, how many ever been involved in that? Sometimes that's a mess because you get there and you think, well, I'm, I'm the first son. I don't know what dad wrote here before he died, but this is going to be good. And it doesn't work out that way. Just in the last six months, I had a situation where an individual passed on and the other person knew because she'd already said kind of what the inheritance was. And when he went, he discovered that just before she died, she took him out of the inheritance. You see, a lot of people say this and don't take it wrong, but this really happens. I hope you put the name in there: dad, mom, uncle, grandfather, whatever I hope they die soon. You say, Well, people don't think like that. Oh, yes, they do. We have an evil nature. I hope they die soon, because I'm gonna get the my inheritance. Now, what do they look at my inheritance as? Security. That money will secure me for life, baby. He's rich. I can't wait to get it. Do you know that some rich parents ruin their kids by promising an inheritance? That's over the top and they become lazy. And what happens when that inheritance comes and your security's in it, you've missed the whole principle. Our security is not in money and stuff. Our security's in God. Now look where this inheritance is kept. In heaven. Can't be rewritten. You say, well, best mark- This is a spiritual inheritance. It's spiritual. Peter's writing again to those people that are hurting, and he's encouraging them. He's basically saying this. You don't see it right now, but the best is yet to come. Hang in there. It's going to be okay. Here's what I want you to write down. Notice what this is. This should be an encouragement to you today as a Christian, to me. Our inheritance is simply this. Eternal life in heaven which is guaranteed for a Christian. It is priceless, and it's totally secure. You don't have to lay down at night and go, well, I hope I make it to heaven, God. No, you have the promise of God. Now, how do I know you have the promise of God? Look at this verse, Ephesians 1:14. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is God's what? Tell me. Now, let me ask you a question. Can God lie? No, here you go. The spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. We're the sons and daughters of God. He did this so we could praise and glorify him. I want you to do something strange this morning. That's not unusual for me. That we should what? Praise and glorify him. Let's just raise our hands. I don't care if you knew. If you've never raised your hands before, you did at a football game. So come on. Now, I want you to look up, God, and repeat these words. God, thank you for my inheritance. When I die, I'm guaranteed to be with you in heaven forever. I honor you. I worship you. I thank you. And I'm excited to see you. Come on, amen. Hallelujah. You didn't know church could be fun, did you? By the way, that's why we're here to worship God for cried out loud, huh? So Peter saying to them, "The best is yet to come. Just hold on. Don't throw the towel in. Hold on, hold on." Now look at verse five: Who through faith are shielded by God's power. We don't only have the promise of God we have God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So God's power through the Holy Spirit is at work. He's keeping us in our inheritance guaranteed. But sometimes we don't understand what salvation really is. When you became a Christian, the first thing you did is you asked God to forgive you of your sins, which some of you will do today, you accepted God by faith and That was the first step. There's actually three steps to salvation. Let me show you. You can get this in your notes later so you don't have to waste your time copying it. Number one, the event of salvation. It's called justification. When I ask God to forgive me of my sins, does he? How many? All of them. And what does it mean he he forgives me? He forgets them as far as the east is from the west. They're gone. That's called justification means as if I never sinned. That's why we say to you, when you become a Christian, you get a brand new start. The slate is clean. Nobody can do that but God. And that means then I'm saved from the penalty of sin when I become a Christian. What is the penalty of sin? It's separation from God forever. I'm saved from that. I no longer am separated from God because God lives in me. So that's event one. Most Christians think that's where it stops. That is not where it stops at all. Let me just remind you of something. When Jesus came, he would say to people as they were coming to Christ, follow, come on, me, follow me. A lifestyle. Many Christians go, well, I don't need to follow. I asked God to forgive me and he forgave me and I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. No, that's step number one, but there's more to it. Here we go. Step number two, the process of salvation. Salvation is sanctification. We'll talk more about that. in That just means set apart, holy for God, to become like Jesus. Notice, we are being saved from the power of sin. Now, you say, well, Pastor Mark, why do I need to be saved from the power of sin? Well, let me ask you a question. Since you became a Christian, have you ever sinned? I didn't say just today. But if you like to stand and tell me what you sinned today, Or maybe the wife would like to stand and tell us what that was. No, every Christian still sins. Well, if I'm becoming like Christ and I'm allowing the Holy Spirit through his power, Romans 6, 7, and 8, to help me, He, the Holy Spirit goes, "Mm -mm, mm -mm." That's warning me. Don't go there. Are you glad for that? I'm glad for that. But how come sometimes I go there? Because I want to go there. But he can come and say, "Mm, you remember what happened last night?" Oh, yes, sir. Thank you. No way. I'm not going there. So I'm saved, not by my power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, I'll empower you to say, listen, no to temptation. That's hard. Because temptation comes all the time. So that's the second step. Number three, the completion of salvation. It's called glorification. We will be saved from the presence of sin. Where will we finally be where there's no more sin? In heaven. Could I hear hallelujah? Because <laughs> I'll never be what? Tempted again. And I'll never sin again. Why? Because I became perfect. No, because you live in a perfect place. <laughs> and it's called heaven. So remember, past. I'm safe from my past. I'm struggling right now with God's strength. I'm getting over the power of sin. He still wants me to fail. And in the future... There's my what? That's my inheritance. I'll be in heaven. There'll be no more sin. Everything will be perfect. So he's writing that to these Christians. Remember this verse? Being confident of this. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I want you to turn to your neighbor and smile and say this. God's going to finish what he started in me. Come on, just tell him. God's going to finish what he started to me now who's going to finish it yeah not you and me i have to work with him he will finish it i'm preaching good that should be many a man's right there come on this is the truth this is the truth i don't have to worry about the finish line i'm going there and god's going to help me now look at this you won't like this verse i just tell you that up front You won't like it because of the last word in the verse. In all this, remember who he's writing to, you greatly rejoice, though now, circle these words, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So Peter is addressing what we know in our world. We know there's spiritual battles everywhere. Peter learned from Jesus. Jesus said this in John 16, I told you these things that in me, you will have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Another time Jesus said this, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Well, I don't like to hear that, but that's exactly you understand this next statement. All of us understand it. Every single person faces all kinds of trials. Every single person. Physical, spiritual, social. By that I mean relationships, marriage, family, kids, work, and mental. Depression, discouragement, throwing the towel, forget it. I'm just not interested anymore. We all face those trials. But notice what Peter says. This is hard. I haven't got there yet. Peter says... To be glad and rejoice when trials come. That's strange, but I'll show you the reason.
0: We learned today that the hope the Christian has doesn't include the word maybe. It is a confident expectation that God will do what he promised. As Pastor Mark has taught, this gives great comfort in difficult times The Apostle Peter was trying to encourage his readers by reminding them of this truth. Our hope isn't in some nebulous maybe, but in the God who doesn't change.
1: Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page.
0: Next time, Pastor Mark will wrap up the sermon, Every Christ Follower Has a Living Hope. We'll be reminded that God has given everyone time on the earth and that we'll have trouble while here. We will hear about why our faith has to be challenged by hardship and how trials are an opportunity for us to experience the peace of God and to learn how he's making us like Jesus. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Living Life with Living Hope. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: In a hurry